You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you, the DU Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. I'm your host, Mike Brazier. Today we are going to be talking about some pretty significant weather developments that have been impacting the the western U.S. for, gosh, I don't know, the past several weeks, and you could probably even go back even farther than that. Uh, we've we've spoken in the past with some of our our biologist out there, Virginia Getz, most recently giving us an update on California conditions. And of course, you go all the way back to the last summer and, and even before that, and we were talking about like extreme exceptional drought. And here we are now to talk about not drought, but but deluge. And so joining me on this episode is another one of our, our guests from past years and past episodes, Dr. Fritz Reed from out in California. Fritz, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Fritz, I think there have been some recent changes in kind of your your career status. So why don't you why don't you kind of do that for us? But uh, but in doing so, I want you to kind of give people a refresher of what you previously did for Ducks Unlimited. You know your position, and then kind of what what you're doing now. Sure. So so I was the uh, very first director of conservation planning for Ducks Unlimited back in the mid '90s, <clears throat> and I uh, had that job up through the mid-2000s when I took over as a director of boreal and arctic conservation. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working out of the West uh, my whole career with ducks, um, having grown up and gone to grad school in the Midwest, uh, but uh, really enjoyed uh, the Pacific Flyway from Alaska to Mexico and uh, and it's been uh, it's been a wonderful ride. I, I retired after 33 years in November, but I immediately took a position as the senior advisor on the boreal and Arctic conservation efforts because I th- think we're looking to pivot and uh, continue efforts in the boreal and try and help DU Canada and their efforts uh, working with territorial, provincial, and federal governments, and most importantly, the indigenous governments in what happens to boreal landscapes. 
Yeah, so this is a little bit of a little bit of a transition era for us, I guess, as you're retiring, and then we're looking to see what we're going to be doing next, and and uh, so it's nice that we're able to kind of do that and 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 hang on to your expertise for a little bit longer before we before you fully retire. Um, so glad to glad to hear that. And you bet. You know, as I said, we've spoken with Virginia in the past on on sort of the habitat conditions, hunting conditions uh, out there. And I thought it'd be good to to get you on this episode because if I'm not mistaken, you hunt mostly in more of the southern portion of the Central Valley, the Grassland District. Do I understand that correctly? Yes, I have a, I'm a member of a club uh, in the Grasslands, which is the single largest remaining wetland grassland complex in California. Uh, it represents about 140,000 acres that includes federal, state, and mainly duck clubs. And it is a, a, a truly unique uh, hunting experience. It's really wide open pintail flats, uh, probably most similar to what you see in coastal Louisiana, uh, wide open areas, moist soil. And uh, it, it traditionally, the county of Merced has the highest harvest of waterfowl of any of the counties in the United States. Uh, the harvest is principally green teal with a strong complement of uh, widgeon, of uh, pintails, and uh, ringneck ducks, of all things. Yeah, pintail harvest would be higher if they allowed you to shoot a few more of those too, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> it'd be a lot higher. <laughs> yeah, and and that Merced being the number one duck harvest county in in North America is a surprise to a lot of people. But you can look at some of those county based harvest maps, and there's that little county out there. I mean, the entire Central Valley of California lights up, but there's that one. And I remember whenever I first started looking at some of those maps, I'm like. Man, I did not, I did not expect that. I, you know, you think about Cameron Parish, Louisiana. You think about some of the counties in Arkansas, um, and 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 a few other places. But wow, yeah, Merced County out in Central Valley of California. That's it. Absolutely, absolutely. Fritz, we have we have a lot to talk about here in terms of weather. Before we do that, I want to back up a little bit and give uh, give you an opportunity to share with us how your hunting season has gone going into the hunting season out west we talked about the greatest challenge likely being waterfowl hunters being able to actually find water find places to hunt ducks things began to turn around shortly after the season opened but kind of from your perspective from your experiences in the grassland uh, district how did the season unfold and how were things going until let's just say the the, the series of atmospheric rivers kind of changed things for you? Well, you bet. Well, as, as you've already talked about, it was very scary with so little water available in the Klamath Basin, in the Intermountain West. Uh, birds would basically leave the prairies, leave uh, Idaho and, and Western Washington and, and pretty much make a direct shot down to the Sacramento Valley in order to get food and water resources. And uh, so, so what happened was, and, and, and you noted too that there was 
a almost a halving of the amount of rice that was planted in the Sac Valley this year. And there was a great concern uh, by waterfowl enthusiasts that because of the importance of rice and rice habitat in the winter, very, very concerned about where birds were going to be able to locate and forage. Likewise, the rice industry is important in providing water to moist soil duck clubs as well and and uh, makes water available uh, to some of the refuges as well. so so it was a it was a, a scary time and 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 sure enough, by early fall, there'd been about 55% of the normal amount of rice planted in the Sac Valley. And in most cases, there was no water available in those other areas. So at best, there was really sparse weeds. And in many cases, guys dissed that up. And so it was slicked off. There was no food, even if it, if it did flood later in the winter. So in early fall, it was tough. If you had uh, pumped water, either in rice or in moist soil, you had habitat and you had a lot of birds. And there was great concern that we would see big disease outbreaks, uh, botulism early in the fall, but most concerned about avian influenza and cholera later in the winter. What we saw was we saw birds move to the traditional areas when there's drought. The Sassoon Marsh, which is uh, part of uh, San Francisco Bay, a real traditional area, it's tidal wetlands. And, but the challenge there was it was hot water. I mean, it was very, very saline. And even though you provided water on the landscape, you know, you, how long birds would stay there was really unknown. Uh, the good news was that guys in the Sassoon Marsh did well early on. Traditionally, the Delta, which is where the Sacramento comes down from the south, uh, from the north, the San Joaquin comes from the south, and the Cassumnes and McColony come in from the Sierra, and they create this amazing complex of about 54 islands in the Delta. And the Delta traditionally is a very, very important late winter uh, habitat. So December, January, typically we see large number of birds there. Well, even early on, if you had any water whatsoever in the Delta, birds were using that heavily. And it was especially used not only by ducks, but by large numbers of geese. Lots of white fronts, lots of uh, Aleutian Canada geese uh, using the Delta. And then the grasslands was used. The challenge there, uh, the grasslands has a limited amount of water under the Central Valley Project Improvement Act. And based on the water conditions, uh, the grasslands water district could provide 15 inches of water per acre for any club that was in the grasslands water district, any national wildlife refuge, any uh, state area. The challenge being that if you took that water early, it was probably going to evaporate. And so we had some clubs that flooded early, some clubs that decided they're not going to flood until uh, well into Thanksgiving, a, a, f a full month after the start of the season. 
Um, and and so it it was sporadic amount of habitat initially available. Yeah, and and so then Fritz, somewhere along the way, um, y'all had a, a, one of these first atmospheric rivers or systems move in that provided some very beneficial rainfall. And we had spoken with Virginia Getz about that one. Um, a matter, matter of fact, let me just stop right here and I always like to do a timestamp on these. And it's like Friday the 13th, January the 13th, Friday the 13th is when we're recording this one, kind of give people an idea of the uh, sort of the temporal perspective that we're, we're offering here. But at that time, last time we spoke with Virginia, that rain had been enough to open up some of the refuges, some of the, the management areas. I mean, that's how bad the drought was is that when the waterfowl season first began or, or at least maybe before it, there were some areas, some of these classic waterfowl hunting areas that were not open or not open to their full extent. So, so that was a good thing. But then how, how did things unfold from there? Like, did it go from kind of that middle of the road, we've got a few areas open and all of a sudden to, to deluge and, and maybe, because I know recently there's been some closures of some areas. Kind of what did that, that period of transition look like and what did it, what did it mean for hunters? Well, what it meant was as clubs were able and, 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 and refuges were able to flood uh, the hunting, if you had water, turned out to be exceptional. So the Butte Sink area, area uh, of traditional clubs uh, in the Sac Valley, the Delta, the Grasslands, District 10, which is an area in the Sac Valley on the east side, these areas really were phenomenal. And uh, birds moved back and forth within those areas that had water. But uh, overall, it, 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 it was really some great hunting. Um, I knew a number of clubs that had averages 6.5, even to seven birds per day uh, per hunt, um, per hunt uh, across all the hunters. So uh, in, in the Pacific Flyway, you can, you can harvest seven birds a day. So it, it, it was, uh, it was pretty exceptional. I'm glad you added that part about, you know, clarifying that in the Pacific Flyway, you can harvest seven ducks a day because I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure some folks would be scratching their head like, wait a minute. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, and what people are seeing is with the tremendous number of white fronts and white geese that have come down, uh, the opportunities are, are phenomenal, both for just goose hunting and for a duck-goose combination. But then we uh, we really started to get atmospheric rivers coming through and and probably uh, right about Christmas time was when we saw the real change and and after Christmas straight on it was it's been pretty much raining every day and uh, one wonders uh, should we build the ark or not what's what's happened is there's 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 been flooding to the extreme so that first of all areas that did not had not been flooded to date were inundated so a bunch of the rice that did not have the ability to flood did not have any water uh gained water and so picked up a lot of birds moving into those sites uh as as they became available and so there were guys that had not 
been able to hunt because they had dry fields that they'd rented, but then were able to move into those fields. And so there were new opportunities out there and to take advantage of of fields that that were flooded uh, that that hadn't been rented even even at that point. So there at, there was a time where there was new opportunities, but some of the traditional areas were getting a bit deep, and that occurred like in the Butte Sink, uh, and 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 that, and a lot of those clubs actually uh, were flooded to too to great, so that they they were not uh, they were not hot spots at all. Um, and and now you see uh, areas like the grasslands, like uh, in the delta, that in, in in clubs it's 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 getting so that the birds are spread out to such an extent that even though you've got good moist soil, even though you've got good habitat, the birds are spread out in such a way that it's pretty tough for the hunter. Um, you 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 still have opportunities, but it's it's nowhere near what it looked like in in early and mid December. Fritz, that's that that's a lot of great information thus far, and and we've got a few more things to cover. Um, I will note just kind of for our listeners, your your signal may be a little bit in and out there, and um, it could could be because you're experiencing some torrential rain there right now. You were telling us just as we started this that you got a hailstorm coming on you. So apologize if the connection there is a little a little in and out, but um, sometimes we have to deal with this. Uh, Fritz, I want to ask you about a few other things. You know, type have there any of the hunting areas been closed as a result of all the all the rain? And then kind of what uh, where do we go from here? And then also want to get an update on sort of what what uh, water conditions, snowpack conditions are looking like because, you know, those types of things become important as we look forward to the spring and, and summer. So hang with us, Fritz. We'll be right back after the break. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Everybody, welcome back. We're here with Dr. Fritz Reed out in California, give us, giving us an update on all that has happened out there here over the hunting season. And we're going to be looking forward a little bit to the to the breeding season as well here in a moment. But Fritz, kind of close things out for us, I guess, at least in terms of all this rain that you've received. I, I, I kind of keep up with some of this on the Weather Channel. I noticed something the other day. It said maybe it was yes, as of yesterday, Sacramento, California had had 14 consecutive days with rain and maybe you can i don't know if it's raining there now but uh but anyway it's been a lot of rain that's well above average uh rain totals has it been have we seen any areas uh public areas that are that have to be closed because of uh, flooding threats 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, China Island, which is a big area down in the grasslands, was it's a state area. It's been closed. Uh, major flooding there. Most of the areas have a couple blinds that they've excluded in the draw because of flooding. I know of several clubs that have have closed down because of access challenges, uh, roads uh, wiped out, and and so uh, you know it, it it it's you know when you get conditions like this, it's always important to be safe. There's fast, rapid waters. Um, it's really important, you know, if you're if you're driving, you know, not to drive through floodwaters if you can avoid it. Don't drive through floodwaters at night. Uh, practice good boating safety. Wear life preservers, and remember that you know there are times that it's better not to go. <laughs> that's 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 what I can tell you because you you want to be careful you 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 don't want to get yourself your partners your kids in dangerous situations but uh, the good news is that for uh, bird survival uh, this kind of rain is really good and it's really good as the pairs move out spread out we were seeing some problems with avian diseases we were seeing dead birds especially white geese that were being picked up and both cholera and avian influenza was found in, in some of the necropsies uh, but with the rains and spreading the birds out I have not not been hearing about any disease problems once the rains happen. So that, that's one of the positive aspects. Uh, clearly, the most important uh, aspect is water storage. We still have a long way to go. Believe it or not, we could still be uh, Shasta Reservoir critical conditions. Shasta is the largest, it's the federal refuge, uh, reservoir that's located above Redding. Uh, to date, right today, I'm looking at the uh, website, uh, Shasta is 45% full. Now, it's got a long ways to go, but it was down to 32%. So it's gained 13% of its total capacity. And uh, if we continue to get some of these storms, maybe that will continue to increase. Orville is the big reservoir in the state side. That's currently at 51%. So we're seeing some increases of the reservoirs in the valley, and that's very, very important, not simply for ducks, but for the all important agriculture in California and, and for the uh, urban users as well. Now, one of the questions has been, where are we at outside of the Central Valley? And so I, I, I was able to look up snowpack in Utah and in the Bear River flowage uh, region, which is Logan and that area in the northeast part of Utah, they're currently at 170% of norm of snowpack. Uh, the Weber and Ogden areas, the Weber is, is one of the big tributaries going into Great Slave Lake. They're at 200%. And then just south of there, around the southern part of the lake, they're at 213%. So it, it's really good conditions, uh, snow conditions in Great in Great Salt Lake. The, uh, the other thing is you look at snowpack for the Central Valley, uh, the snowpack is really 
nature's reservoir for water. That's where we get so much of our water for agriculture in the summer. And right now, we're at 280% of norm in the Southern Sierra, about 200% of norm in the Central Sierra, and about 185% in the Northern Sierra. So again, great, great conditions of snowpack right now. You don't want it to let up, but it, it, it really looks phenomenal. So Fritz, one of the things I'll back up a little bit here, if people found themselves doing a, a double take, I, I caught it and it's it's a byproduct of where you have worked for much of your career here recently. I think you said, <laughs> you, you, you said Great Slave Lake. You said, it, you, you said it the first time, then you almost said it the second time and, and corrected yourself, but we're talking <laughs> the Great Salt Lake there. Um, and I'm I'm also yes. I'm also glad that you mentioned the part about um, we're in a good position now, but we we need to continue to see you know more precipitation or at least hang on to what we have because the percentages that you talk about correct me if I'm wrong, but you're talking about like 200 percent of normal at this date, right? And not necessarily 200 yes. percent, etc. of of like peak or anything of that nature. Because I, if I'm not mistaken, Absolutely. maybe it was even last year. When in early January, some of the snowpack was at a hundred and something percent of normal and folks were kind of optimistic, but then things kind of dried up. And by the time spring rolled around, snowpack was only at like 30 percent of normal, something of that nature, right? That's absolutely correct. And uh, and we saw last year, we saw January and February as the driest conditions that had ever been recorded since the 1800s. So... Um, this year, uh, the period after Christmas, those 15 days in San Francisco were the wettest recorded in San Francisco except for 1862 and 1866. And 1866 was the great flood of California. So we have gotten a tremendous amount of water, a tremendous amount of snow in the Sierras, but we don't want it to let up. Uh, we'd like maybe it to let up right now for the flooding, but uh, but the snowpack, that's that's great, and, and, and we'll take whatever we can get. Yeah, Fritz, kind of to that point about the harm being caused by some of that flooding. I know it's washing out roads. I know it's, um, I know, I, I think also um, a dozen, dozen and a half people's lives have been lost as a result of some of the flooding out there. So these type of things, exactly, exactly as you say, you know, you want this precipitation for the integrity of the systems out there and the importance of that water. But man, we, we wish it wouldn't come at such extremes the way we're seeing. But when you talk to climate experts, they will tell us, these are the type of extreme swings that we probably need to become uh, need need to expect a bit more frequently. And we're not talking about just out west. We see it. We're seeing it everywhere. These these major swings seem to be a bit more a bit more common these days. So um, so yeah, a lot of lot of things to consider there. And we we hope uh, hope things settle down. But then you can maintain some precipitation at at more uh, more responsible levels. <laughs> let's say going forward. The other area that we're all interested in is going to be the Klamath Basin and uh, the snowpack areas that feed it. What can you tell me about it? And, and Klamath is interesting because there has been snow in the Klamath Basin, but a lot of it has melted to date. Uh, uh, it's been followed by rains, and so uh, they're showing zero inches of, of snowpack 
in Klamath Falls and, and, and directly surrounded Klamath Falls. Now they've had above normal rainfall, rainfalls right at 150%. So that's very positive, but uh, it, typically we see snow late winter, like right about now through March in the Klamath Basin. And, and, and that kind of, of precip is, is really important in maintaining those habitats in, in that basin. Well, that's it's good to hear I, uh, about that above average precipitation. I think I had asked someone else about, you know, how does the precipitation fall in that Klamath region? Is it is it rain? Is it snow? And sounds like it can be a little bit of both um, kind of this time of this time of year. And so we'll continue to keep an eye on that. And boy, I, I hope uh, I, I'm certain that it's going to take a great deal more precipitation in that basin as well to kind of get us back to a point where we're going to we would feel a level of comfort over any short period of time. The uh, same thing, as you said, is going to be the case in, in California. I was, again, on the Weather Channel this morning, I was watching, they, they were showing the drought monitor for California over the last three weeks and and the improvement in drought conditions, the, the lessening of drought conditions is, is certainly noticeable. But surprisingly, most of California still continues to be classified in the hydrological drought category. Um, it kind of it's a result of the way they they measure drought and index it, and it's not just how much precipitation they get. It's it, I think a number of other things play into it as well. But uh, so yeah, there's there's still as as you said, potential for some some drought implications here as we go forward. It's raining so hard, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So more more rain is being added as we speak. Uh, is it too early to th- to think about what this uh, all the the increased rain may mean for the potential to plant more rice this year? Do you when will when will farmers start knowing something about that? They'll certainly have to make a decision by March, probably no later than April. And, uh, you know, I I think there's a lot of hope that we can get back into a more normal rotation. Uh, Certainly where we can get 500 uh, plus thousand acres of rice in the Sacramento Valley, it'll be you know, good for ducks, good for agriculture, good for the state of California. And uh, that's what we certainly hope for. Well, Fritz, we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, Anything else that, uh, I have one final question for you here in a minute, but anything else kind of drought related, habitat condition related that we need to make sure we cover before we get out of here? Well, one thing is that as you, you know, it's been really tough with the long-term drought here in California for breeding birds. And uh, people are already thinking that, you know, with a strong flooding effort that's currently occurring, you know, it's going to really wipe out a lot of the mammalian predators. And provided that there are areas for nesting for a brood areas, uh, we could see a pretty decent uh, first cut at breeding for mallards, for gadwall, for cinnamon teal, uh, for wood ducks uh, in California this year. Boy, that would be the first time in two or three or maybe four years that we've had a strong breeding effort there in California, right? 
Absolutely. It, it's it's almost been 10 years oh, wow. since since we've had a, a, a really strong breeding effort. I mean, there, there are certain spots, as soon Marsh is one, that, that, that we traditionally see, see mallards and gadwall in pretty good numbers. But it, it, to see it throughout the valley and in the foothills would really be phenomenal. What, one other question, and this is in addition to the, the final one that I'll ask you. This just kind of occurred to me. I'm thinking about this from a Ducks Unlimited perspective, and, and, and I know the work that you do is kind of mainly outside of, the, outside of uh, California, but you're there. You know Ducks Unlimited. You know the work that we do. How do events like this where we get uh, abundant rain, widespread flooding, how does that affect our ability to deliver habitat projects in the in the short term? And then what do we think about and what do we look at in terms of long-term opportunities or costs associated with any of these flooding events? And, and certainly in the short term, you know, we, we have to mobilize out of a lot of these uh, basins uh, so equipment is not washed away. And a lot of our contractors are scrambling to uh, shore up any any uh, structures that that are potentially washed away, but in the short run, we really have to mobilize out of the basins, but quickly move in once the rains start to subside and uh, get back into work working in these restoration areas, and it, and it also points to areas where maybe there's some infrastructure challenges like culverts that are too small. We have the ability to put in a different conveyance system that that makes us makes the system a lot more functional. Uh, that's what our biologists and our engineering teams really work on uh, and, and are currently working on to try and figure out where best to 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 stay active. That's much the same way it, it affects us in in every other region, you know, that are that are prone to these kind of flood events. The, the southern region is a classic example of that. Anytime we have extreme rainy uh, periods along the coast of Louisiana or in the Mississippi Louisville Valley, if we have river flooding, it's those same type of things have to occur. You got to get out of the areas where you're working on the project, then you got to go back in, then you look at at other potential solutions. And increasingly, Fritz, as we're thinking about um, sort of natural infrastructure type of projects, these type of flooding occurrences, as you said, may may make us aware of alternative designs that we can consider in the face of likely increased extremes of these type of weather events. So there's a whole lot of things that go through our mind whenever that we have to do and then that we reflect on that go through our minds that influence how Ducks Unlimited is making decisions about our conservation, where and what type and um, what those projects look like, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Final question for you, Fritz, and it. Uh, I hope it's a. I hope it's a fun one. How much more hunting opportunity do you have this year? Is have you been flooded out, or are you going to have some more opportunities to get out? Well, uh, I honestly believe that uh, it, it's going to be really tough in the next week. Maybe the last two weeks we'll have uh, some opportunities, but certainly not as good as as uh, as the early part of the season. But you know, it's it, it's great to uh, get together with with folks that we haven't seen over the pandemic, and uh, you know, we can always cook up some crabs and have a 
have a nice dinner and and hope we get a few birds in the morning. That's that's my plan. All right. Well, it sounds like a great plan. I wish you luck and, and hope you all can get into a few birds. If you can't, I know you're going to have a great time socializing and visiting with friends and, and eating and probably taking a few sips of a drink as well. Oh, that's possible. That's possible. <laughs> there's, a, there's a little bit of wine out here. Yeah, I'm sure. I've heard. I've heard. And I've heard you're a pretty good connoisseur of that wine. So, Fritz, thank you so much. Thanks for everything you do for Ducks Unlimited and have done over your career and, and happy to have you around in this in this next phase of your of your career, at least for a little while longer. You bet. Well, thanks, Mike. And uh, it's uh, it's been great talking with you. And we'll, we'll keep you up to speed with, with uh, the birds we see. A special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Dr. Fritz Reed out in California. We appreciate his insight on on what's happening out there and how their season's been going. We also thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for the terrific job that he does with these episodes and getting them out to you. And to you, the listener, we thank you for your time and support of of the podcast. And we thank you for your support of wetland and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash dupodcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. Stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.